Take your Bibles tonight, please, and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter tonight. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read one verse of Scripture tonight, and as you're turning, I want to welcome our uh, viewing audience by means of live stream and Facebook. We're delighted that you have chosen to be with us on this evening here at the Sweetwater Baptist Church. Well, as you know, yesterday... Ravi Zacharias went home to be with Jesus. Ravi Zacharias is, to the uh, study and the discipline of apologetics, as Billy Graham is to evangelism. And one of the great questions we all have is, who will fill the shoes of Ravi Zacharias? Nobody will fill the shoes of Ravi Zacharias, just like nobody can fill the shoes of Billy Graham. And tonight when I think about this great man, uh, and I'm reminded of this verse of Scripture that I want to read, and then after I read this verse of Scripture, we're going to watch a little video that uh, Ravi did at the funeral of Billy Graham. He was interviewed talking about Billy Graham. Most of you know who Ravi is, but just in case you don't, you'll have an opportunity to hear him speak and uh, share just in a nutshell uh, the gospel of Christ and uh, his worldview when it comes to Jesus Christ. But tonight I want to read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and here's what it says. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. As I've already said, Ravi did go home to be with the Lord yesterday. He was 74 years of age, and he is known as the greatest apologist of all time, uh, dealing with the subject of apologetics. He lectured in some of the most prestigious universities in the world, places like Yale and Harvard and Oxford and John Hopkins and even Clemson. And so he was known for his ability to uh, persuade and to defend the faith. And so watch this little clip tonight of Ravi at Billy Graham's funeral. Charles Wesley said, God buries his workmen, but his work goes on. Wesley came, he left. You know, Sunday came, he left. Moody came, he left. He had all these great speakers. Billy served his time. We can never live in the past, but we must stand on their shoulders. We must stand on their shoulders to look forward because they are followers like people like Apostle Paul and Augustine and all of those. We, they stood on their shoulders. We cannot lose heart, nor can we place the ultimate confidence in just a human being. Our confidence is in the person of Jesus Christ, the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. That's who we preach. Paul says we don't preach ourselves. Billy never preached himself. So a great voice has been lost, but the message goes on, and that's what we will continue proclaiming. We are living in a confluence of great uncertainty with great hunger. I've never seen such uncertainty in our world, but neither have I seen such hunger. The universities we go to are packed with thousands of students coming to hear. We must honor God with the truth and do it in a way. You know, Spurgeon had a sermon called Gathering at the Center. We come through different paths, but we gather at the center. And so our path will be different, but the center is the same. 
so much. God bless you. God bless you. God be with you. Tonight, Ravi Zacharias and his message, and if you ever heard him share any of his lectures, just by the way, how many of you maybe went to see him when he's been in the Augusta area, because he's been there a number of times, great, just about uh, half of you have heard him in person. And when I began to think about those lectures and those messages that he would share, because he had so many gifts and so many ways that he could present the gospel, whether it was through academics, like going to a university, or encouraging believers in a church, or uh, being able to defend the faith in a crusade somewhere. Uh, all of his messages and his lectures uh, had the same theme. And usually there were three parts of that theme. Number one, the transforming power of the gospel. The transforming power of the gospel. I don't know how many times that I have heard him just begin sharing his own personal testimony how that he was born in India and raised there, and how that uh, uh, through a process of, uh, even though his family, they were a part of the Anglican church, how that he became an atheist and just completely turned against God and anything related to God. When he was 17, he tried to take his own life, and he was given a Bible while he was in the hospital. He tried to kill himself by drinking poison, and he was given a, a Bible, and his mother read to him John chapter 14. That's the great passage of Scripture where Jesus says, In my Father's house are many mansions. But it was verse 19 of that passage that got a hold of his heart. And in John 14, verse 19, Jesus says, Because I live, you shall live also. And that verse just captured his heart, and through that verse of Scripture and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he gave his life to Christ. And so he was always giving his testimony of the transforming power of the gospel. And many of you could stand behind this pulpit tonight and share your personal testimony of how Jesus Christ changed your life as well, just like he changed my life. And you know, the beautiful thing about a testimony, we all come to the Lord by the way of the cross. And sometimes some person or an individual's testimony may seem very dramatic, and you might think, I don't have a testimony that dramatic, or I, I didn't get involved in all of the things of the world. But yet, ladies and gentlemen, your testimony is just as important as anyone else's testimony because we're all sinners, amen, and we all need to be saved by the power of the gospel through Jesus Christ. A second thing that was always a theme in his lectures and his messages, not only the transforming power of the gospel, but the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was always defending the deity of Jesus. This coming Sunday, I'm going to be preaching a message on the things that we need to believe. And during this uncertain time when uh, this news media will tell you one thing and this news media will tell you another and this doctor says one thing and this physician says another and sometimes you get conflicting and confusing uh, uh, information about what you are to believe and people don't even know what they should hold to. But as Christians, we do. 
And there are certain things we can hold on to. And one of those is the deity of Christ, that Jesus is God in the flesh. In just about every message, every lecture, he talked about the sonship, the deity of Christ, how that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, verse 1 and 14. A third theme of his lectures was always the truth of the Word of God. Men and women and young people are certainly searching for truth. Pilate, you remember I preached a message on Pilate from that little series entitled Sacred Sights, and Pilate asked Jesus one time, when Jesus was standing before him at his trial, Pilate said, what is truth? And that is the question that many people are asking. Well, of course, Ravi was in, in environments where he could certainly present the truth of the Word of God. In Psalm 119, verse 160, tells us, Thy word is true from the beginning. So just about every one of his messages, every one of his lectures, every one of his uh, discussions talked about the transforming power of the gospel, the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the truth of the word of God. Now, I want to talk about apologetics for a moment, and what does that word mean? You hear that quite often now. It is used more today than it was, say, 25 years ago in Christian circles. Uh, the word apologetics really comes from a Greek word that means to give a defense of. And so now in theology, there is a whole branch of study on apologetics. Today, I had the wonderful privilege of speaking to Dwayne Steedley. Many of you know Pastor Dwayne. He grew up in this church and, and uh, went off to school at North Greenville and then off to New Orleans Seminary. Well, New Orleans Seminary has a degree just in apologetics, and he went down there and studied that uh, particular subject and got a degree, his master's degree, in apologetics. But when we talk about apologetics, we're not talking about an apology. We're certainly not apologizing for being a Christian or the things that we believe, but rather we are giving a defense of the faith of Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul did this in Acts chapter 22 and verse 1. He's in Jerusalem. And he's been accused of taking a Greek into the temple area. It created quite a stir. And if you go back and read Acts chapter 22, and of course it leads to the arrest of Paul. But here's what he says. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. That word defense is where we get that Greek word apologetics from. And so Paul gives a long presentation of the gospel. He gives a long presentation of Christ. And he uses this opportunity to defend or to give the truth of the word of God to those who are hearing. Now the Bible tells us in many places to take a stand for him. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13 for example. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith, 
act like men, and be strong. Now, there's a verse of Scripture that we've been using a lot, especially during this coronavirus pandemic, and I want to give it to you tonight in how we should defend the gospel, how we should defend the Word of God, and it's 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And here's the verse. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me read it again. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Whenever Ravi Zacharias would defend the gospel, whether it was in an academic setting or in a church setting, he followed that outline of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And so I want to give it to you. When we take a stand for God and we are defending our testimony and defending the faith, number one, we need to stand courageously. Courageously. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 again says that he's not given us the spirit of fear. Now, one of the things about Ravi is that he would never get intimidated. And he was with some of the great intellectual minds on the planet, but yet they didn't intimidate him because he was able to stand for the truth of the Word of God and he had great courage because he realized God was with him. Now, there are times we're in situations where we just feel very intimidated. I remember when I had to defend my doctoral project before my committee and my peers. Uh, in our class, there was a, a chaplain uh, from Texas. He was in his uniform, and I just thought this was the most unusual thing he got up there and he started crying because he got so intimidated. So here's this soldier, and he's in his uniform, and he was graduating, getting his doctoral degree, but yet when he got up there to defend it, he got so intimidated by everyone, and, and he was just in tears about it. Well, when, we in, when we're in that situation where we, when we feel intimidated, or can I really do this, or man, I, I feel like I'm really out of place here, then that's when we're leaning on the presence of God. Do you know when I feel the closest to the Lord? At a funeral. I feel closer to God at a funeral than any other time. I had a funeral last week. I had never met that lady. Didn't, I didn't know much about her other than what the family had told me. But yet when I stood up there, I had such a peace about being there and sharing the information that I had because I knew God was with me. Because I know there's nothing that I can say in my own human flesh, my own intellect, my own uh, ability. I can't be articulate, uh, articulate enough. I need God's help. And I'm reminded of what Joshua 1.9 tells us. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Did not the Lord give us that wonderful promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? You know what's been sad during this coronavirus? It's been sad to see people go to the hospital 
and they can't even have their own family there. I think about Alan Golden, Lynn Berry's back there, her brother-in-law and Ronnie's brother-in-law, and how even Kelly couldn't go in to the emergency room with him, and, and, and how she was just out there in a car having to talk to a physician by phone. I don't think Donna could accompany Rocky for the actual surgery part. I, I, he was telling me on the phone when I was talking to him that she could come in later. But, I mean, it's been hard for families because they can't have their own loved ones there. And uh, the gentleman we talked about earlier that is so sick that I had just come from his own, own home, and uh, when he was in the hospital, his wife couldn't even be with him. These are hard days. Friend, I want you to know that when we feel alone, we're not. God's with us. And that abiding presence of the Holy Spirit of God who's right there with us to give us the grace and the strength that we need in that moment. And so when we stand for God, just like Ravi stood for the Lord, he did it courageously. Nothing to be afraid of because God is on your side. And when God is on our side, there is nothing to fear. But there's a second thing I want to mention here. Not only are we to stand courageously and defend the faith, but we are to stand confidently. Confidently. Now I want to read this again in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. The idea there of a sound mind is I don't have a divided mind. I'm focused. And I know what's in my heart and what I need to share. And so we are to share with great confidence. You can remember being in school and you had an examination and you were so confident and you were ready for that test because you knew the material. And then there have been times when I went to class, maybe I didn't study the way I should have, and they started passing that test out, and you get all nervous, and boy, you start praying. No need to time, not, you shouldn't pray then. You should have done your praying before you got there. And, and, and you're starting to ask God, please give me recall and give me the answer to this test. But when you know that material, boy, you go in there with great confidence knowing I got this because I have the answer. I have become Facebook friends in the last few months with my Old Testament professor, Dr. Wayne Van Horn. He may be watching tonight. And uh, Dr. Van Horn was my professor in Ezekiel, Dr. Ben and Haley. And boy, he had told us, you better be ready for this exam. It was right at Thanksgiving. He said, there's going to be discussion on here. You better know all these visions that Ezekiel had. You better be able to outline the book. And so we were all so nervous, we go into that class, and we go in, and he passes out 10 true-false questions, and they were so simple. I mean, it was just like, where was Ezekiel when he had his visions? Well, in Babylon, and, and it was just easy stuff. And then at the very bottom of the paper, it said, there is grace in the Old Testament. And so he had us scared to death, but we were able to walk out knowing that Hey, what we were blessed because of His grace. Well, we can have confidence in the grace of God and in knowing the truth of what we're sharing. You know, when you're right, it puts a little pep in your step. When you're right, you can, you can speak with authority. And the Word of God is truth. 
And the Bible tells us in Romans 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And when you've got the power, and what did it say? That God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, then you can defend the faith with confidence. I heard about a young pastor who was going to a college church. And this university was built up around this church. And so he had been called to be pastor there. And he had all of these PhDs in his congregation. There were uh, biologists and chemists and, and historians and mathematicians. And he was scared to death. He was telling somebody, I'm really afraid of this crowd. I'm going to be intimidated by them. The wise old preacher that he was talking to said, let me give you some advice. You just go preach the gospel. They don't know a whole lot about that and how true that is. And it gave to that young pastor confidence to go into that church, into that congregation, and to preach with boldness and authority because he had the truth of the gospel and the word of God. So we should defend our faith courageously. We should defend it confidently, and now number three and finally, we should defend it compassionately. Compassionately. Ravi Zacharias, if you go and pull up some of his debates that he's having with students, atheists who come to the microphone and try to belittle him or try to trip him up, he never gets mad. He didn't go down there and beat them over the head with a King James Version of the Bible. It's just with great grace and love, he always responds to them in a gracious manner. And I want to read 2 Timothy 1.7 again and listen to it. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I have a little saying that sometimes you can be right in the wrong way. And there have been times in my own ministry and even with my own family that I have been right in the wrong way. But we should be people of love and we should have a Christ-like spirit. And we should be like a Ravi Zacharias that when we are presenting the gospel that we're letting the love of Christ shine through us. John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And so with a gracious heart, love in his soul, Ravi would always answer people, and he would do it in a Christ-like manner. We can learn a lot from his life, his example, but you see, he just followed the example of the Bible, which is found there, as I've already mentioned in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. We may never go to a college campus and debate somewhere like a Yale or a Harvard. We may never have the opportunity to preach or to speak to thousands of people like a Ravi Zacharias. But in your home, in your neighborhood, with your friends, in your sphere of influence, 
You can be a defender of the faith, to be ready to give to every man a reason of the hope that is in you by doing it courageously, doing it confidently, and doing it compassionately. There used to be an old children's song that children would sing entitled, Dare to be a Daniel. You remember Daniel took a stand, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they took a stand when it was unpopular. Listen to the chorus of that little song. Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. So tonight, may the life, may the testimony, may the legacy of Ravi Zacharias challenge all of us to be defenders of the faith, to do it like Jesus, to follow his example, to be like a Daniel, and to stand with courage, confidence, and compassion. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, thank you for this Wednesday night prayer meeting. Lord, it's been about 10 weeks since we had a prayer meeting together. And Lord, tonight, how thankful we are to be back. Lord, we're grateful for your house. I think about the psalm writer who said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Father, tonight, we thank you for the life and the ministry and the legacy of Ravi Zacharias. Lord, how he stood for you and defended the faith. I pray you'll raise up more Ravis, Lord, and thank you, God, for his wit. Thank you, God, for his intellect. Thank you, God, for the giftedness that you had bestowed upon him. Lord, we pray that we will be good defenders of the faith by doing it courageously and compassionately and confidently. And So, Lord, tonight we commit the rest of the evening to you, and we just pray you'll bless each person for being here. And we ask this prayer in the name of Jesus. Thank you so very much for worshiping with us today at the Sweetwater Baptist Church. We have been honored and grateful that you have taken time out of your schedule to be with us. And our prayer is that God will bless you. Should you have a spiritual need or a prayer request, or just simply desire more information about the Sweetwater Baptist Church, feel free to get into contact with us. Remember that Jesus loves you, and so do we.